0: Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, And you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I delivered my first sermon in seminary at St. John's Episcopal Church in McLean, Virginia. That was my my field education church when I was in seminary. And so the gospel lesson for that Sunday was quite difficult. And it being my first time to preach to to St. John's, uh, to borrow a Super Bowl Sunday term, I punted to the Old Testament. I deferred to the Old Testament reading that Sunday uh, to produce my sermon. And so, it went as well as I think it probably could have. But um, later that week, I was with my mentor, and again, to borrow a Super Bowl Sunday term, we were raking down the game film, and he was giving me advice and suggestions on my sermon and things I could work on, that sort of thing. And he said, I, I noticed that you, you preached on the Old Testament, as if there was something wrong with that. And uh, I said, yeah, it was my first time to preach at St. John's, and I found the gospel lesson quite difficult. And so I I went with the Old Testament instead. He said, that's all well and good. He said, but just keep in mind, here's a little advice uh, for the future. When people come to church on Sunday, they expect to hear you preach on the gospel lesson. He didn't expound any further than that, and I didn't follow that up with any uh, questions as to why that was. But he went on to say, if you're not going to preach on the gospel lesson, if you're going to preach on the Old Testament or the epistle, you need to tell them that up front in your sermon. So, I'm going to heed his advice today and tell you all that I'm preaching on the Old Testament today. I'm coming at you with the Old Testament, and I'm doing that for three reasons. The first reason is that I can't remember the last time I preached on the Old Testament, but I'm quite fond of the Old Testament. And so why not shake things up a bit, keep the folks here at the Chapel of the Cross on their toes. Everyone loves change, right? So why not change things up? And so I'm going to preach on the Old Testament. The second reason is that our Old Testament lesson this evening, and for today, is the calling of Jeremiah. The calling of Jeremiah. It was read at my ordination as a deacon almost, well, about three and a half years ago. So on this day, when I stand before you and preach to you about God's call to all of us as members of the body of Christ, I think it's important that I recall that day Three and a half years ago when I stood before the bishop and said, I believe I am so called. I believe it is important to remember that day uh, when the bishop laid his hands on me and consecrated and appointed me to do Christ's work in the world here at the Chapel of the Cross. So that's the second reason. The third reason I'm going with the Old Testament is because, by gosh, the Old Testament is still relevant. Maybe my mentor was onto something when he said that people expect the gospel lesson to be preached, but that does not mean that the gospel cannot be preached using the Old Testament. The gospel can be preached through the Old Testament, even today. The Old Testament, it is our Christian heritage. It is our DNA. It is a part of who we are as the people of God. It is a historical account of our relationship with God, of God's love for us, And it is an historical account of our salvation. Perhaps you've been to the Easter vigil on Saturday night before Easter Sunday. If you have not, I highly commend that service to you. Do it at least once in your lifetime. Um, But if you have been to that service, then you have sat in a partially lit church. And you have heard those stories of God's salvation for his people, beginning with the creation, going through the flood, the ark, Noah continuing through Israel's deliverance at the Red Sea. What we are doing that night is we are staking our acclaim. We are claiming our Christian identity and saying that we cannot talk about God's ultimate salvation in Jesus Christ if we cannot recall or if we do not recall the many times God has been there with us in times past and continues to be with us today. So that's another reason I'm going with the Old Testament, because it's vitally important to us today. And we can still preach the gospel using the Old Testament. So the calling of Jeremiah today is a fascinating story. God appears to Jeremiah and he says, I knew you before you knew me. While you were in the womb, I consecrated and I appointed you to do my work in the world Fulfill my purposes and my will in the world. And I'm going to send you to my people who have turned against me. I'm going to send you to pluck up, build up, throw down, and do all these wonderful things and say all these wonderful things. And Jeremiah, in typical prophetic fashion, says, You know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I am young. I am inexperienced. I am just a boy. Who am I to do your work, O Lord, in the world? Who am I? Don't send me, send someone else. I don't know what to say. We can draw comparisons to Moses, who likewise tried to skirt a commission from God when God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to demand my people to be set free. And Moses said, Who am I to do that? I'm slow of speech and inexperienced. I don't know what to say. Who am I to go before Pharaoh and the mighty Egyptian army and demand that they let the Hebrews go. And next Sunday as well, we will hear from Isaiah's call in the Old Testament. And even Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among an unclean people. Who am I to do God's work? Lots and lots of excuses from lots and lots of prophets throughout the history of the Bible. But... Nonetheless, Jeremiah is sent. My Old Testament professor used to say, Beware of a prophet who enjoys what they do. Beware of a prophet who enjoys what they do. Because it's not much fun being a prophet. And Jeremiah was no exception. His ministry was during a tumultuous time in the history of Israel. It came just before the exile. So a lot of what he was prophesying and proclaiming had to do with... Judgment and death, and all of these awful things that made him a pretty unpopular person. So it stands to reason he would receive death threats, that he would be persecuted and ridiculed. But nonetheless, Jeremiah was called, and Jeremiah was sent, and he went. So, who are the Jeremiahs today? In our day and age, when God does not exactly appear before us like He did Moses or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Isaiah, who is it that God uses? Who is it that God calls and sends? Last weekend, Bishop Sage, in his closing sermon at the 192nd Annual Council in the Diocese of Mississippi, he talked about the word ecclesia, ecclesia which is a Greek word meaning church. It's where we get the word church from. Church with a capital C, which means the gathered body of Christ scattered throughout the world. In this room right now is the Ecclesia, is church with a capital C. What Bishop Sage was talking about. The gathered faithful body of Christ here in this place. That is who is called and sent. And that's what Bishop Sage was saying. That word, ecclesia and church, broken down even further, just simply means the called. Everyone in this room, by virtue of your baptism, is called, is chosen by God, is sent. And every one of you are worthy to hear and receive that calling and to be sent. Another annual council... Some time ago, I had just been sent to seminary by Bishop Gray. And I was coming down the steps. It was at the Commission Center in Vicksburg this year. And I ran into the Reverend Dr. Ruth Black. Perhaps you know her. She's a Christian priest and was the longtime head of chaplaincy at University Medical Center. And she was on the Commission on Ministry when I went through. And she is just a wonderful sweet-souled person. And so I came up to her and she said, Will, how are you doing? And I said, Ruth, I'm doing so good now that discernment is over. And now that I know I'm going to seminary, the bishop has sent me, I know what to expect. It just now that discernment's over, I feel like there's a huge weight off of my shoulders. And she grabbed my two hands and held them tightly and looked at me in the face And I could tell she was probably thinking, you young, silly person. (laughs) She told me, she said, oh, Will." she said, said, discernment never ends. We are always in discernment because God is always calling us. God's call never stops. And therefore, we are always discerning what God's call for us might be. So that's what I leave you with today. You all are worthy to be sent by God. You all have been commissioned by virtue of your baptism to be sent by God. To do good work here at the chapel of the cross. To do all sorts of things in the world. What is it that God is calling you to do? Perhaps it is to join something here at the chapel of the cross. Servant ministry, perhaps. The flower guild or the altar guild. Maybe it has something to do with your job your vocation, what you do in your everyday life. Or perhaps it has something to do in the world. Maybe it's just an idea, a thought, an inkling, or maybe it's sort of a nudge. What is it? You all are called and sent by God. What is it that God is sending you to do? What is it that God has chosen you to do? Amen.